and good noon. It's not really morning. It's not yet afternoon because it is noon right now as I record this. Uh, welcome to Pennies in the Well, episode 49. I know that with some of the uh, Mad Hatter and Abysmal Witch episodes, we're actually technically higher than that, but still kind of cool. Episode 49, Pennies in the Well, and I am your host, Violet the Abysmal Witch. And I welcome you, I welcome you to this episode where we're going to talk about da-da-da-da communication. But first, I want to acknowledge that this episode is being recorded on the unceded ancestral and traditional territories of the Kakite Nation of the Coast Salish peoples. And also that today is Sunday, March uh, something or other, March uh, 8th. Wow, already. Sunday, March 8th of 2020. So that we are situated in the place and the time in which this is happening. And I welcome you. I welcome you to listen, to seek, to question, and to think. And I welcome in the essence that is you. I welcome in the naturum. I welcome in the land. I welcome in our ancestors of bone, blood, and bliss. I welcome in the deities, and I welcome in death, that our kindred of our greatest selves be present and supportive of that which we discuss today. Please ignore the scrabbling in the background as one of my (laughs) naturum, my beautiful kitty cat, is uh, exploring in the background. Can't stop living beings from being living beings. All right, so communication, I said. We're going to talk communication. I'm kind of excited about this. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why. Maybe because I'm actually making another podcast, and so soon that does make me happy. Maybe it's because uh, my body and I are very confused because is it 12 o'clock or is it 11 o'clock? My body thinks it's 11. The clocks say it's 12 because today was daylight savings something or other. This is clocks going forward. And please, for all that is holy in the world, could they do away with daylight savings? We are no longer in an area that era that needs it, and I think mostly we are all harmed and traumatized by it. Let it go, people. Let it go. The life will be easier. Come on, governments, take the petitions to heart. Communication. I want to talk about what I'm going to call real connected communication. That is my goal in communicating with you, with my coven mates, with the people around me, the people I work with, with the world, with the unseen world. I am always striving to have real connected communication. And I am going to break that down into very specific things. So we are going, we're going to get real about it. (laughs) Real, we're going to break down is ever so conveniently four letters that fit basically with some excellent concepts that need to be brought to bear when we communicate. There is so much bad communication in the world these days, and a lot of good, to be honest. We're getting there. We are getting there as a species, and that is a great thing, and we're getting there as individuals, which is an even better thing, because it's how we get there as a, as a species, and pretty much all of us can do better. And so this is a way to strive for that. Specific, actual uh, ways to think about it and engage with communication 
that can be applied in the moment. So real communication starts, uh, we're going to start with R. This is not necessarily the way I would normally approach connecting with it, but, um, you know, let's do it in order of the letters that came to me early this morning. I've been trying to find a way to frame this for months now, it feels like, and I've, I've used a bunch of these words and talked about it with people uh, that I work with and that I engage with magically, and I, I think we have a solution. So R, we're going to start with the R of real, and R is for respectful. We're not having real communication if we're not respectful. Respectful in honoring, both respecting ourselves, our own perspective, where we are at, and respecting the other person by acknowledging that we are two human beings worthy of being respected in that moment. And I feel like I should have done a, some dictionary searches before I started this so that I could give you a nice, wonderful dictionary explanation of what respectful is. We all have a, a sense of it, right? Um, what we mean by, by the word. And yet at the same, at the same time, sometimes it can be uh, useful to actually get down at, well, what does that mean? And I find sometimes uh, it can be hard. So as I was babbling there for a second, I did do a quick search of respectful, full of, characterized by, or showing politeness or deference, which hmm, is a, it, it is a definition. What is, is it a definition I like? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, showing admiration for someone or something. Showing politeness or honor to someone or something. To respectful of, to accept that something is important and not try to change it or cause offense. Ah, I kind of like that one. To accept that something is important and not to try to change it or cause offense. So to come into the communication with this idea that we're not entering the communication to cause offense. We're not in it to insult the other party. If you're doing that, you're not in respectful communication. You're in argumentative communication, power-mongering communication, some various and assorted other kind of communication, but not respectful. Uh, obviously, the change is, well, actually a strong part of it as I think about it, that, and yes, I am exploring thoughts as I lay them out for you. There are things that I understand, uh, you know how it goes, you understand something more viscerally first, and then you have to articulate it and go, gee, do I understand it as well as I think I do. So with respectful communication, it, we cannot be forcefully seeking to change the other person, because that doesn't work. Respectful is not you must change in order to accommodate me. That That's not respectful. Respectful is um, going, I'm not trying to change you. I, I'm not trying to offend you. What I am doing is speaking my truth that I need to speak in order for myself to be respected, in order for myself to find expression into the world so that I can well respect myself later and and potentially cause change if nothing else to cause change within my own perception of the experience because 
when we engage in communication, um, when we use these types of like real connected communication, we use it not when communication is easy, not when it's fun and happy, but when things are hard or they go sideways and we're trying to find a path through to mutual understanding that will make things better for everybody. The intent is not to bring harm, but to bring us to a place of perhaps reconciliation, which is not uh, everything perfect, happy, and sunny, but it is acknowledged, it is real. Uh, so I guess another <laughs> part of real and the R is real communication. And real communication is not... Well, we'll get to that with the authentic. I was going to say it's not lies, etc. But we're, we're going to get there. So that's the R, being respectful in our communication. Uh, the E is, for me, experiential. We are talking, when we're in real connected communication, we are talking about our own experiences. Experiences in that relationship. Experiences within ourselves. This is how I have experienced our, our relationship to this point. This is how I am feeling. My feelings are my experience. My perceptions are my experience. And we need to own that experience. So if I was talking with someone, um, my brain is, feels a little foggy this morning. So my example isn't coming to mind. Hmm. Oh, I bet you wish that I edited a little bit more before I sent these things out, but uh, it's pretty much a rambling stream of consciousness or no podcast whatsoever. So here we are. I don't have a good example in my head. Um, if I was really frustrated by someone who, um, you know, wasn't respecting me, wasn't listening to me. Rather than, and this is, you'll hear this all the time when people talk about good communication, you, you did this to me. Well, it's not, we're, we're trying not to blame the other person. So it's not that they did a thing or that they are a thing. Really try to avoid that you're a horrible person because you did this. Well, you're a really horrible person because you stole my witch puppet. <laughs> totally didn't happen, but um, she's what I'm looking at across the room right now. She's really flaked and laid out and back at the moment. Took her to a work party. <laughs> she had a great time and now Grizzy is just like, yeah, I'm happy, I'm good, I'm chill and relaxed. But if somebody had stolen, I could go into the, you're a horrible person, you stole my puppet. Going into what the person is, labeling the person because of an action that is, honestly, it's not helpful because I don't know that they're a horrible person. What I do know is that they, they took my puppet. Let's assume I do know that. So the experience that I had is you, I, I saw you take my puppet. When I saw you take my puppet, it made me very angry. And regardless of why, I want it back. So getting into the experience is about what I experienced. When we had that big fight about um, uh, 
Um, really, I'm not having any examples in my head right now. I'm actually going to pause for a moment and see if I can come up with something good for you. One moment, please. So I don't know if this is going to work out to be a good example or not. Uh, it's from a very long time ago, someone that I was working with magically uh, for a long time. Uh, the advantage of doing this for 30 years, you can say both a very long time ago and I did something for a long time that ended a very long time ago. <laughs> Creepy. Uh, that um, the person was going through, and I knew this, a, a bunch of really hard things at the time. And uh, uh, as with most real and connected communication, it, the landscape that it's happening in is not the easy landscape. So this person was no longer doing magical workings, um, was seeking to do things. Uh, there was a lot of drinking at the time. I get it, self-medication. When life is really hard and we want to be able to duck out of the pain of it, we self-medicate through all kinds of things from binge watching Netflix shows, deep exercise moments, uh, intoxicants of various natures. And I'm speaking now from a lot of years later, and it's a lot easier to talk about this. Uh, from a very mature standpoint, at the time, I'm sure it was not so mature. So, um, the discussion in ideally I'm going to talk about the ideal discussion we would have had and periodically probably the actual discussion we had uh, though it's so long ago I don't have those details anymore but the topic at least gave me something so they were not engaging into magic and I needed to move forward with uh, with my magic because it is a fundamental priority for me that is the purpose of my life is to to support magic, magical living, life into the future. Uh, not my life specifically, not humanity's life specifically, but life in its purest essence. Not that I would have framed it that way at the time. And said person couldn't. So there was uh, this divide going on where I couldn't I couldn't stay where they were and they couldn't come with me where I was going. Fundamental divide. Now, in trying to communicate that, I'm sure I failed to do a really good, real connected communication with it. Uh, if I had done a good job with it, I would, would have made it clear that I understood where that person was at. I would have respected their position uh, and that it wasn't... I was not asking them to change. And in essence, that's what I was trying to do. I was asking for a break um, from that magical relationship. And they felt that I was casting them to the side. And that was the end of that, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and I can make it sound really good from my side. I'm sure I did a, a piss poor job at the time of communicating because I cared so very much. And it was a God, a really hard thing to do. And then the person couldn't meet me where I was at. So uh, an underlying thing of any communication that really comes from a heartfelt place, and I think one of the reasons we may even avoid doing this healthy communication is that absolute fear of that worst result, which is in the effort to truly communicate where I'm at, 
and what I need, that um, I will discover that my needs really can't be met and that the relationship I was attempting to foster into betterness actually comes to a definitive crashing and explosive halt, which is what happened in that case. So, uh, and no amount, sometimes, no matter how good you are on your side of communication, you just can't get there. So there is always that risk. And is it worth it? You have to decide for yourself in that moment with that communication and that, that other part of the relationship. Do I believe in it? Yeah, I do. Because the only way not to have it is to lie, to lie by mission or to lie by degree. But some form of lying is going on uh, if we're not being truly um, sharing about our personal experiences. So the experience, when we're, we're having experiential part of real, we are talking about not that this person was bad because they couldn't keep up and shame on you for having, you know, all this shit in your life and shame on you for not being there for me. No, my experience was, I'm sorry that you're, you're not able to be there with me, that you're not able to take these steps. Uh, can that change? And that was a part that, um, I'd already decided, I guess, where I felt it needed to go and didn't give that opportunity, did not have the conversation in some ways early enough, nor gave the opportunity for them to come to have the opportunity to change. I was really in a, <laughs> I, I need the circumstances to change. So there's an advantage to having these conversations sooner. I'm really hoping this is making sense because I know it's a tad rambly. So when we speak from experience, we're speaking what we experienced. A lot of times in communication things, it's expressed as when you do X, I feel Y. So when you do X, there's an experience, I feel Y, that is my personal experience of said action or experience. So it's all about that experiential part, explaining the reaction that I'm having when you spend every time, when you spend the nights that we get together to do magic, drinking, and we engage in laughter, as much fun as that is, I feel that I am not able to meet my needs and goals in doing this, in this relationship, which is ultimately for me founded on doing magic. Not about them as a person, just a, when you do X, I feel Y. Stick to your experience and your experience is real. Your experience is your experience, your emotions, your reactions, your, um, they are real and you are entitled to them and no one can say that they're wrong. People can argue perceptions because we perceive things from our own point of view and there's a lot of muddy water in the perceptional world, but in our experiential world, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, what we experience emotionally is our emotional experience. Now, sometimes we need to have that emotional experience kind of cracked open a little bit so that we can uh, experience it from a different point of view. So that if we can shift the perspective, our emotional reaction may change. Um, so uh, it would be the person who um, came up and stole your car from you uh, when you were stopped at a stoplight or something. And actually, um, 
<laughs> different example, because this one actually has happened to me. Uh, witnessing a car accident, and you know, there's that moment of you know shame on the person who fender bendered the the guy in the car before them, who was simply stopped. And it made the person in the car who got hit was probably frustrated and, and aggravated and why the hell did you hit me and shame on that person who hit me. Um, because there is that emotional component. We get angry and we want to blame. Taking even the blame out of it, there is anger, right? Because something happened that was not good. Uh, and in this particular case, it turned out that, yeah, the woman hit the guy in the car because she was driving to the airport to pick up a family member and then go straight to the hospital where her, I think, dad had been rushed the, the day before and was near death. And once you have that additional information, once you have the greater context, it changed the emotional reaction. Essentially, the guy who got hit and myself, the first person behind uh, and so witness, were... You know, like making sure she was okay and that she was going to be okay to drive and that she needed to take care of herself and pay attention to the road. And like the, the guy who got fender better, it was not a big deal. It was a small bump. He's like, I'm fine. Cars are fine. We, we exchanged information just in case of, but he spent the time making sure she was okay. Probably not the initial reaction. But once the context is shifted, then the emotional experience shifts. So our emotional experience can shift. Whatever our emotional experience is in the moment, though, is real. And we need to honor the reality of that emotional experience. We need to respect it and uh, acknowledge that it's real. So that's the R is respectful. E for experience. Um, A, authentic. Oh, authentic. There's another great word, isn't it? You know, what exactly do we mean by authentic? So if I pull up our handy dandy dictionary to uh, tell me what it is, if only I could actually type letters. Um, it is real or true or what people say it is. Well, that's incredibly short. Being what it is claimed to be, genuine. Genuine, real, again, we're, we're right back into the into that real, but it's the, it's, here's where we come into the honesty of it. We are, we are being, when we're being as authentic as possible, we are being as honest and genuine as possible. We're not exaggerating our reactions. We're not underrepresenting them. We're not, um, flailing about an emotional quagmire that throws emotional shit at other people just to make ourselves feel better, but to authentically own, there's a lot of ownership as well, uh, in an authentic reaction. It's like, yeah, this is really where I'm at. This is really what I'm going through. So I'm sharing with you this thing because this is truly how I feel. And we know when someone's being genuine and authentic. At a very fundamental level, we can feel it. We can feel the congruency between the words, the actions, the somatic expression of the person, that all levels of the person, so their, their actions, their soma, their body, uh, their emotions, um, all align with their perspective and their self. Their self is fully congruent. It is authentic. It is genuine. It is not something put upon. It is not a lie. It is honest. It is the honest experience of their own soul. Authentic is powerful. 
And when we get overly emotional, so if we were to um, be on the other side, say, of that it, uh, conversation of long ago that I had and the person hearing it, um, they were not, were they able to be in their authentic self? Perhaps. Um, but if, if you're in denial about your own place in the universe of what you're doing. So if the person was in strong denial about, like if they knew, if they knew that they were avoiding doing magic, that they were avoiding engaging with, um, with it, and for very good reasons. Again, there was a lot of shit going on in this person's life, and it made perfect sense and, and kind of why things lasted as long as they did without a really healthy conversation about it. Um, because when there's that much shit going on in someone's life, it, honestly, you just feel like you're kicking a puppy if you try and have a conversation about it. it nothing about it feels good. So um, if they were in an authentic place, themselves with their own experience and their own reaction, I think it might actually have gone differently. So the authentic and real communication, real connected communication is from both sides, not just the person who starts the conversation, but also on the receiving end of the conversation. It makes a very big difference. So if he'd been authentic in what was going on, if he was congruent and aware of um, what was happening, it may have gone differently because it would have been a, yeah, you're right. I'm not engaging with magic. I get where you're coming from and I want to do something about it. Um, but said person was not able to, to experience any of that. Wasn't ready to, wasn't ready to hear, let's take a break. Just wanted comfort and things to, to continue to be supportive in the way that they needed, which, oh, when our needs with someone that we deeply care about are at odds, that is one of the worst places to be. It really sucks. Just going to toss that out there. Uh, and, and I'm not too worried that um, anyone's actually going to know who I'm talking about on this one. Because, um, because, because I think there's only three people in the world. Um, who might have a glimmer of what I'm talking about. And, uh, yeah, sorry, that doesn't matter. So authentic, authentic communication is critical that we are speaking truth, our truth, our actual truth, not our emotional defensive truth. So emotional defensive truth often comes out as um, the martyr or the demon. So the martyr being the, oh, you've accused me of a thing. Well, not really accusing you of a thing. I'm actually just stating my personal experience. But okay, now it's, we're in a statement that my personal experience is an accusation. Okay, so they take the martyr road. They're being accused of something. They're totally to blame. They're always, always to blame. Oh, woe is them. Uh, and it goes into this place where you're no longer having an honest conversation uh, about each person's experience of the relationship and how to work with that, balance it out and find a path forward that works. Instead, someone has become so reactive that you now just spend time making sure that they're okay. Or you walk away from it because it's deeply frustrating. But it's not, it's no longer healthy communication because they are f 
fallen into it's like falling into the pit of despair where nothing can rescue them they're always the bad person uh it's always their fault well anytime that you're using always in um a relationship uh speak or communication pretty much guaranteed that something is not going right there uh always is a is a very careful word uh it's rarely applicable even the universe isn't always. The universe came into existence. The universe will go out of existence. If you think of always in the truest sense of the word, hmm, what really is always? Nothing, except for the nothingness. The nothingness was before. It will extend after. It is what holds the universe. The nothing is always. Everything else is some portion of an always that is not actually ever and always. So there's a little philosophical tidbit for this episode. Yeah, so this, um, so they can go the martyr road, where they're all to blame, and it, it honestly, I, I don't have a, a great uh, suggestion if somebody falls into the martyr role on how to get out of it, um, aside from acknowledging that this is the place this conversation seems to be going to, uh, there's nothing I can say to that, um, or you can shoot, and, and so you can step out of it, you can call them on it, which uh, is very tricky and can often go wrong. Uh, or you can work with their martyr complex uh, and try and assuage it and perhaps find a way to bring a glimmer of light into it uh, so that it's less strong the next time it happens because when somebody has a martyr reaction, pretty much guaranteed that they do it uh, more than that one time because it's a defense mechanism. So to give understanding and space to these things, people don't just decide that's the way to go. It's something that served them. It kept them safe. It, it made life uh, bearable for them at some point. It became a crutch and then it became the thing that they use. <laughs> I, yeah. And it's not like I've never used these. You know, some of these things you, you learn to understand because you live them yourself. So they can go the martyr or they can go the demon. And the demon is anger. It is pure defensive. How dare you accuse me of this? I've done nothing wrong. So I've done nothing wrong is another place of a high majority of the time, mm, some bullshit. The amount of bullshit is a percentage because there are instances, there are definitely instances where people have done nothing wrong. Uh, if someone is abusing you, You've done nothing wrong. If you're a child who's been abused, you did nothing wrong. It was not your fault, period. End of story. Um, in adult relationships, we manage to get ourselves to some really funky places. Again, abuse is, is never our fault. Um, but there's a lot of scope outside of pure abuse where, uh, you know, it, it's not my fault. Um, so... In this case, my example of long ago, um, there could have been, if that person had taken the demon response, it would have been, it's not my fault, pure aggression, defensive, this is all your fault. Uh, yeah, see, the blame either goes one way, the martyr, or the other, um, the demon. The demon's probably not the right term, but it's the best I have in this moment. So... If it's either entirely their fault or entirely not their fault, you become the demon. You're the bad person and they get very angry and it's all your fault. And what are you going to do to fix it? And once again, it's all on you to fix it. Uh, you notice how there's no ownership 
uh, in any of this. So that's, that's not good. Um, the ownership is really critical. Both sides need to own their part. And that requires that authentic awareness of self. If that, if that person of long ago had been aware of where they were at, if they had been willing to ex allow in my perspective to respect the relationship that we'd had for years at that point that I was attempting to be open and honest with them, that uh, to hear, to actually hear and take in what I was saying and go, hey, okay, she's, she's perceiving that I'm having this, I'm behaving this particular way. I don't think I am, but if she's perceiving it, then I, there must be something in what I'm doing that's leading us there. Either that or I'm an abusive person. I like to think not. So if you, if you give space for that person to be coming from a caring place, which will be the next one, then, then you got to crack that open and uh, not just respond with anger and it's not my fault and I did everything fine, but to go, hey, I'm a part of this relationship. If the other person's not doing well with it uh, and they're, they're not sociopathic, if they're not narcissistic, then what, what am I doing? How am I contributing? How can I actually actively listen to what they are saying and engage with it? Uh, yeah, so if the said person had been authentic, I think it might have gone a different place, but they could not acknowledge what I was saying because they were not in full congruency with themselves because they had a big shadow spot over what was going on. Again, a lot of shit was going on in the world. I, I don't harbor blame or anger for it, just a whole mess of sadness um, that I couldn't make it go better. And that ultimately, I chose the magic over the personal, which uh, has been my, my life path and a warning to all who engage with me. I choose the magic over the personal. Um, though I worked the deeply personal in the magic. So, you know, it's an interconnected weave, but still. <laughs> Righto. So moving on from authentic to loving. So you can see all of these play into each other and they're all critically important. Loving is important. If you want to have a real connected conversation, you, you need to bring care to the conversation to yourself. You need to be loving to yourself to be able to bring forward that conversation and you need to, to recognize that you have care for that other person. Now, there are some people for which hmm, love is a difficult thing. So sometimes when I have no personal care, because um, there's levels of care, right? There's levels of love. There's that deep personal love for those closest to us, whether it's uh, a partner, a romantic partner, um, parent, child, sibling, close friend, um, magical partner, et cetera, et cetera, partners in life or relations in life that we are deeply close with. Those ones are the easy ones to bring love to. Then there's the, um, then there's the rest. <laughs> there's the people that we like, um, who are frustrating us and there it's, it's still pretty easy to go yeah, I like you, so I'm going to bring love, loving awareness to our conversation. I'm going to remember that I care about you and bring that into this conversation. Then there are the people that are at a distance. Um, 
and they are still, they're not too bad because it's easier to get into that global humanity. And yes, I may hate humanity periodically because man, we are a voracious cockroach of a species in some ways. We're also glorious in others. So tomato, tomato, uh, it can be tricky, but there's still that loving mankind and that, that deep level or really high level, if you will, of connection that exists and that we bring to bear that love and respect, um, to other living beings. And that can be human beings. All of this communication also applies to all other levels, right? It could be our animal familiars. It could be our unseen companions. All of these are our potentialities for a conversation and we have levels of love. And then there's the people we don't like. I don't have many of them, but uh, whew, I do have one or two and I despise. There's one person I actually despise. It's rare for me. There are a bunch of people I, I don't think particularly highly of, but the, the, the true, <laughs> there's one and they've earned it by choosing by choosing to be a harmful person in the world. You choose to be a harmful person in the world. I, and I've known so, psychopaths that I've quite enjoyed their company and who work to be decent human beings in the world, even though they um, don't feel it. Well, I guess sociopath, sorry. Sociopath, any uh, one in particular comes to mind and would do the right thing. He just had really big holes in his soul. And it was very odd. Um, even there, I was pretty good. But when people actively choose to cause harm, um, knowing that they're causing harm, I got problems. And even reaching for, um, reaching for that transcendent love that we're all living beings on the planet can be really hard to reach. So sometimes, in the farthest extent, the best I can come up with is reach connected communication and that loving has a really hard time showing up. Uh, still worth a try. And for most of the time, aside from those very few people in the world, most of the time it's, it's there. It's just waiting. It's just waiting for us to at least start with loving ourselves. So if you can't find the love for the other person, have a love for yourself and to respect yourself enough to bring your own experience to bear in the most authentic manner possible. Love yourself enough to have that daring conversation and daring communication to give yourself what you need. And at the same time, you want to bring that respect of their experience and their authenticity to the conversation because theirs is different than yours. And that's okay. Differences are okay. Differences are okay. Can I say that again? Differences are okay. So that's real, respectful, experiential, authentic, loving. And then I keep saying real connected communication. So connected is important and it ties to the other ones. It's little stove pipes and layers thing, which was, um, my boss is, Oh, sadness. Um, he was my mentor for, for like a decade and he died last year and <sighs> he infected me with some of the best things ever. So whew, don't even remember why he suddenly came up to mind. Connected communication. When we are having healthy communication, we are connected into ourselves. So I'm going to 
there's two aspects of connected. One is connected to ourselves and one is connection with the other person. So connected with ourselves means that we are centered uh, within ourselves. We are fully um, getting into centering is a whole kind of another topic to go into a depth, but we all have a sense of it, right? When we're centered, when you're centered, you are well balanced. You are not easily knocked off balance. You can be pushed and you can be pulled, but you're in control of that because you are centered. Uh, we're centered, we're rooted. So from our center, we connect into ourselves that were, so our past, into ourselves that are connected into the earth. So we're grounded into the earth. I'm a little hesitant on the word grounded, so I prefer rooted. Um, but we're rooted. We're, we are connected uh, to our ancestors. We are connected to our planet. We are connected downwards in essence. So we're rooted. Um, we're also, we're, we're centered, we're rooted. Um, we are connected upwards. So we are, we have reached and we are connected up into the, the ultimate dreamer, the universe, the creator of all that beyond everything, um, swath of spirit that dreamed us all into existence, that we are connected up to that as much as we are connected down. Um, so as much as we are rooted, we are connected upwards. And with that connected upwards, we become this authentic cord of truth within ourselves. And when we are aligned like that, we, it is easier for us to speak from our truth, from our strength, um, from our knowing, because we're not, it, we are less lost in our emotions. We are not tugged by our own internal reactions off of our truth. We are in not the convenient truth that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel good or that we tell the world. Not those truths. Those are, those are light and easy and outside truths. I'm talking about that inner truth, that hard inner truth that goes, yeah, I'm not connecting with magic because my life has been shit and I'm not taking part in this magical relationship the way that I have always before. Yes, I'm taking this the opposite side of the coin uh, of that long ago discussion. So truly centered and connected within ourselves, we are aware, maybe we're not fully aware of everything. However, we are connected to real truth of ourselves and we will recognize it when we hear it. We may not like it, I'm sure this person would not have liked hearing what I had to say. However, if they were truly connected within themselves, the truth of it, uh, because it was a truth, it was a, it was one of those rather um, objective truths. You know, the you're not doing magic with me anymore. It's kind of like you don't sing me love songs anymore. It's an objective truth where you can go look, when was the last time that you sang me a love song? You know, was it five months ago? And, you know, two years ago, you were singing love songs every week, every day or every week. And then we go, you know, five months or six months, no love songs at all. That's true. It's an objective truth. There's an objective change from what was to what is. 
um, we can accept those a little better, I think, when we are truly interconnected along our truth line. <sighs> so we need to be connected within ourselves. Then the fact is we can do all of that. We can be connected within ourselves. We can be realistic. We can be about our own experience. We can be authentic. We can be loving and we can still make it all about ourselves. I've seen it. I've probably done it. And if we're trying for real connected communication, it's not just our real and our connection. It's also about the connection and the reality of the other person, of the other entity on the other side of that communication or entities for that matter, if you're doing a group thing. And that's not a, they need to be like me. They need to see it like I do. They need to be this way. It is a, they're having their own experience. They have their own authentic viewpoint. They have their own level an engagement with love, and they have their own truth line coming from their own internal connection. They're having their own experience and it's different from yours. It's different from mine. So in that long ago thing, I was having my experience. That other person was having their experience and their experience was real. And then the communication is about recognizing all of that and then working to bridge it, which is why, honestly, it takes both sides to do a really great job of it. So if someone slides into the martyr or the demon, they're not engaging back, right? Um, so it takes both sides. A way to help to bridge that gap for the other person isn't already meeting you there because quite honestly... Most of the time, there's one person who's better equipped, better practiced, and better able to engage in real and connected communication than the other. When it's both of you, oh my God, it's fucking glorious because you, you hit an, an issue and then you acknowledge the problem, you know, you may apologize, you have real authentic communication, it's amazing, love it. But most of the time, it's not like that. Most of the time... Uh, even if you have somebody who has the skills, if you come into something that is reactive for that other person, those skills can go right out the window and they retreat and fall back into those practices of communication that have kept them safe before. And we're back to the martyr and the demon. And probably other ones. Those are just the two that keep coming to mind. So... Um, what we can do to bridge that gap if the other person isn't able to meet us is to keep insisting on the authenticity of our own communication and then to, as part of that connecting with them, letting them be where they are. We need desperately to let people be where they are in this moment, who they are, how they are, and go, okay, right now you're they're, they're reacting as in that martyr state. Okay. This is where they're coming from. Um, connecting with them and demonstrating that I respect you. And this is how I feel the power of, and I, I cannot, uh, ex um, I, I cannot say strong enough. There was a great word on the tip of my tongue. Totally escaped. Uh, escaped me. I cannot state strong enough how powerful the word and is. Because if we say, I respect you, but you do this. It's like, I respect you some of the time, but when you do this thing, then the respect goes away. I love you, 
but mm, when this happens. So then it would be, I love you, but it's conditional because when you behave in ways that I don't like, I don't love you anymore. So uh, when having these conversations and, and is your bestest, bestest friend and supporter. Uh, so communicating, I respect you and this is my experience. I love you and when you do X, I feel Y. So you can both love somebody and be the, um, I love you. And when you call me up at two in the morning to complain to me about the guy that you are still seeing, even though we've had this conversation multiple times, it has big problems. I get really frustrated because we've had this conversation and now it just seems to be something that you're using me to make the situation feel better. I don't know. Some not actually something that's happened to me, but apparently now my brain is coming up with random examples for emotional discussions. I love you. And when you do this thing, it makes me feel this way. And is your bestest friend. And when you use that, it helps. It's, it's bridging again. It's the, I feel this way and I can still connect you. Also, um, Connecting, demonstrating connection, it comes through reflecting back to them. It's a little nuance of the whole process. And something I think I will talk about in another episode uh, upcoming. That when I had that conversation long ago, um, I don't think I did nearly enough reflecting to the person about where they were at. Um, because it was, don't you understand? I'm going through all of this. I can't do these things. Um, and to go, yes, I see you and they're horrible things. And I understand how this impacts you. I understand how it makes it so hard for you to engage with the magic and at the same time, I still feel a need to have that magic. So we're in two very different places. And can you help me figure out how to bridge that gap? Or how do we um, set it up that we're still good with each other and we both are getting needs met? And the fact is, ultimately, in my tragic example, is there was no way for us both to get needs met with how we were identifying our needs at the time. And... So that was that. Uh, but the reflecting back to a person, I see you. I see what you're going through. If somebody goes into the demon, I see that you're getting angry. I see that you, you feel a need to be angry at me for expressing how I'm feeling. And as you do that, I feel like I can no longer communicate with you. Is that true? Are we done with communicating about how I feel with this? And we're, we're now just going to talk about how you feel with this. Did you notice in that example that one of the components of this communication, it, it isn't said, it's not said in the real, it's not said in the connected. Uh, however, it is an absolute necessity of real connected communication is the biggest fucking amount of courage possible because to be real, you're vulnerable, you're being honest, um, about your lived experience. 
And that vulnerability is in a place where you're not feeling secure. Because if you're feeling secure, these would be easy conversations and you wouldn't need to have all this framework to make it work better. Um, it's always good to have this style of communication, but let's face it, I'm assuming worst case scenario style of communications that it needs to get employed in, not the uh, happy everyday versions. Though, again, best used in all versions of communication, it becomes a habit. Oh, sorry. So it takes a lot of courage because when we have these conversations, when we own where we are at, we do run these risks of, we, we are asking for change, not in the other person necessarily, but we're asking for change in the relationship between the two of us and because it isn't working and it, and it may be a small change, you know, it could be, um, you know, um, when you come home and you turn the TV on right away, I feel like you don't see me and I, I feel unloved. So it could be as simple as I need, you know, 10 minutes of your time before that TV goes on. That's a relatively small negotiation. That's pretty easy. Um, but underneath of it is that big fear of if I state my need, will it get met? Will I lose this relationship? So there's a huge amount of courage especially in these modern days and how we currently communicate into embracing the style of communication. That said, uh, so I wish you all the best of courage with it and embracing it and taking little steps. That said, it will bring you into relationships where you can have, the more you have these conversations, the more you can have these conversations. Have them on the easy things. Have them on the small things. Have them on the good things. Good God, I know I've been talking about the doom and gloom version, but bring it, bring it to the, you know, when you come home and the first thing you do is hug me when I come through the door, that makes me feel great. I love that. Thank you. That is a respectful, it is experiential, it is authentic, and it is loving. It's connected <laughs> and it's easy because it's nice. And yet we don't do those nearly enough. So if you want to get started into this type of communication and you're really afraid of those big, scary, bad ones, go for the good ones. Practice in the good ones. They're, they're good for a reason. Use them. Enjoy them. Have fun with them. Savor them. Lap them up. We need more of that type of communication or more... Like the real connected, yes, but more uh, of the expressing when we're good type of communication. Our communication these days with each other seems to have fallen into the same thing, same state as our 24-hour media service, which goes, you know what sells? Trauma sells and violence sells and negative sells because that scares people and gets them to engage. So that's what we're going to put on 24-7 all the time because we can make money off of it. <sighs> and that we're taking this into our daily lives and we're always talking about where, where it's hard and where it feels crappy and where we struggle. Well, how about where do we feel good? Now, if we don't feel good anywhere, <laughs> that's a problem. we got to take some changes. It, hopefully, there are places where it there is good and there is feeling good and we need to speak into that and do some real connected communication into that as well. So this is, this is a multimodal, omnidirectional um, methodology that I 
invite you from the depths of my soul to engage with as much as you can whenever you are ready or even when you're not ready but you're willing to take that leap and to communicate a little differently, to bring a little bit more authenticity and respect and engagement and love into into the world because it happens in how we communicate which is not just words last little uh, side commentary on that not just words this communication when we touch are you respectful in your touch are you aware of your own experience in touch are you aware of their experience in the touch big thing are you authentic? Are you touching when you feel authentically drawn to touch? Are you loving in your touch? There's all kinds of levels of communication that has so much more to do than just language. Um, the unspoken languages, and not just ASL unspoken languages, but the entirety of body language that we can engage with. Um, yeah, going to leave it at that going to leave it with a whole bunch of love in your direction and much appreciation for you showing up and listening and seeking whatever it is that you are seeking. Much love to life that takes us through time. Much love to Terra and the land that holds us. Much love to the ancestors who brought us into being. Much love to our gods and our goddesses who shine the way forward. Much love to death, who brought us into life and who will carry us out of life. Blessed be, one and all, blessings of the deep and wild to you. Blessed be. <laughs>